Hallelujah. Glory to God. God bless you. He is risen. Oh, you're supposed to say he is risen indeed. Yes. Don't forget that. All the children are welcome to grab a pack from Nikki and Michelle down the back if you need one. Thank you. Thank you. It's the truth. He is risen, and that's why we go into all the world and we preach the good news of Jesus, because freely we have received, so freely we should also give. Amen? Amen. So He's risen. So it's not only the good news that Jesus, the Son of Man, died on the cross to carry our sin, and that is really, really good news, but it's also that Jesus is the Son of God, and prove the fact, prove positive, in that He was raised from the dead by the Spirit of holiness. In John chapter 10 and verse 18, concerning His life, He said, I have power to lay it down. Nobody took the life of Jesus. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. As Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he was a bondservant of Jesus. And in verse 3, he continues, who was born of the seed of David, concerning, according to the flesh. My eyes are fading. (laughs) Wait for that new resurrection body. But he was born of the seed of David. He was the son of man of the seed of David, born of the Virgin Mary, a miraculous birth. The Son of God, eternal Son of God, became the Son of Man. And verse 4 said, And He was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. This is the good news. We serve a living Savior, Son of Man, Son of God. He came from heaven to this earth to pay for our sins, but the grave could not hold him. They laid him in the tomb, but it couldn't hold him. He was raised up by the Spirit of holiness, and he is alive today. That is our victory. That is our victory. We don't serve, we don't follow a dead leader. We serve a risen Saviour. Hallelujah. Glory to God. As Jesus said to Mary at the death of Lazarus in John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said that. I am. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never, never die. Wow. He is the resurrection of the dead. It doesn't matter if they bury your body in a tomb, which by statistics, it will happen to every one of us. (laughs) It doesn't matter. For the day will come when he comes again. And because he is risen from the dead, we will also rise from the dead. Are you looking forward to that day? I'm sure looking forward to that day. While Jesus called Lazarus back from the dead, remember that Lazarus came back in a body made of flesh and blood, and he was just going to face death all over again. What a disappointment. Some people said he never smiled again. Well, why would you? I know we say death has lost its sting, And it has for us, because we're not afraid of death, but we might be a bit dubious about the dying principle, (laughs) because we know after death, then it's all is well. But we're a bit balking at that coming up to it kind of stage. So poor Lazarus, Jesus was doing a good thing, but he had to face death all over again. But not not, not for Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead bodily. He had a flesh and he had a bone body and he was never to die again. He is eternally alive right now at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Jesus is the first one who would never die again. 
He was raised up in a new body. And yet, he still had the nail prints. And he still had the wound in his side. For he said to Thomas, poor Thomas. He was out of the room when Jesus first appeared. And Thomas said, no way, Jose, I don't believe it. That's beyond imagination. It's all a figment of your imagination. Maybe it's his spirit, I don't know. But Thomas wasn't believing any of this, and we know what happened. We know that Jesus appeared and said, come on, Thomas. Come on, put your fingers in the nail prints. Put your hand in the side. See, it's me. I'm alive. I'm not a ghost. A spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. You know, it was not just the spirit of Jesus that ascended. When he was on the cross, he said, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. We know his body went into the grave. But after three days, as he said over and over again, I thought, how many times does he have to say something before the disciples believe it? Have you read how many times he said, this is what's going to happen. Son of man is going to be handed over to evil men, going to be crucified. And on the third day, he will rise. It just went in one ear and out the other. Doesn't that happen to us sometimes? One ear and out the other. So all of his followers got a shock. Where's his body? He's not here. Interesting that his enemies were listening more clearly because the enemy said, let's post a guard. Come on, you know, it's going to be worse if something happens after three days. I just don't know about those disciples. What was wrong with them? But sometimes we're like that, aren't we? We hear things and we hear things and we don't hear it with the ear of faith. We just hear it as information that doesn't compute and goes in and goes out. But he is risen indeed. And he said to Thomas, because Thomas, you know, was in awe. Wouldn't you be in awe if Jesus came bodily in the midst of us? We would be in awe. And Thomas cried out, exclaimed, says the word. He exclaimed, my God, my Lord. What did he say? My God. What did he say? My Lord and my God. That's a good testimony. My Lord. Have you called him Lord? When you say Lord, you're saying he's the boss. He is the boss. If you've given your life to Jesus, he is the boss. Trouble is, a lot of people just want Jesus on the side. They hear the story. They hear about heaven and hell. They say, well, I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Who wants to go to heaven? Everybody puts up their hand. Oh, yes, come on, Jesus, on the side. But don't interfere with my life. It's never going to work. You know that. You're deceiving yourself. Jesus takes second place to nobody. When he comes... He comes as Lord. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. And so Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Do you believe? It actually takes a revelation. Sometimes you're talking to people and do you feel it? It's like a stone wall, like hitting your words are just coming back at you. And other times, people drink in. But it's a revelation. It's a revelation by God, the Holy Spirit, that opens the eyes of our understanding and we get it. And we see and we know. And something alights in our hearts because he's put eternity in our hearts. And we all know that it's not just about here and now, but life will go on for eternity. And there's a, there's a sense of, well, what are we going to do? And then we discover, well, God has already done something. He sent his son into the world to make a way for us. Because we were separated from God. Our sin separates from God. How can we stand before a holy God? Not one of us. Not one of us. But Jesus came and he himself bore our sin 
in his body on the tree, on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. You know, it's got to be a change in your life or you're deceiving yourself. Jesus came and he died. He died to break the power of sin over our lives. He died for us that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And we know it happens. We know it happens. Ezekiel said he'll give us a new heart. He'll give us a new spirit. Jesus called it being born again. But we know something takes place in our lives when we get a revelation of who Jesus is and the fact that he died for us. And we look unto him and he gives us forgiveness and cleansing. And we discover something takes place, a new heart and a new spirit. And so instead of every inclination of our heart being toward evil, we discover there's a change. We have a changed life. And now our heart is inclined toward God. And so the bias from sin is broken. The power of sin over our lives was broken when Jesus died on the cross and rose triumphant over sin, over death, and over the grave. And so now, because he's given the Holy Spirit to be with us, he he leads us into all truth. So that bias to please God and not to please the old man who wants to do every rotten thing that we know is not right, that's just selfish. We have a choice. And because the inclination, because we have a new heart, new spirit, it's already toward God. You add the Holy Spirit and wow, he leads and directs and guides us in the right way to go. Oh, don't be without the Holy Spirit. I got, I got discouraged this year, I must admit. I was looking at some of our kids who were not going on for God. I said, what, what is it? What is it? What is it? I said, they haven't had a revelation. They don't realize there's new life, not just a new set of clothes. When Jesus comes in, your life will change. And then I was talking, we have a home group for the older teens, boys and girls, and I was amazed how they shared when they received the Holy Spirit, and remember Jesus ascended into heaven, and he sent the Holy Spirit to those who were waiting, because Jesus said, don't go anywhere, I know it's good news to share, I know you're excited, but you really need help. I'm going away, but I'm sending you another one just like me. He's the Holy Spirit. And he will will teach you all that you need to know. And he will lead you in the way of truth. Well, I was so encouraged. I was really going around hanging my head down, thinking, these kids, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? Why aren't they following the Lord? How many years have we been sharing the truth of Jesus with them? Where are they? They're following the world, running after the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You all know about that. We've all had our part in that. But not when we come to know Jesus. Our lives change. We don't want that. We don't want to be like the world and we're not like the world. And we should never want to be like the world. The world has no part in what Jesus came to do for us unless they will repent and turn. Turn from that and turn to God and follow righteousness. And you say, but we can't. Well, you can't on your own. Even though when you encounter Christ, there's something new that happens and you cannot encounter the living God and stay the same. Don't tell me. You really don't know Jesus if you are exactly the same. I am sorry. A prayer doesn't do it. A prayer does not do it. You can't say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me, come into my heart and just go on and live your life thinking I'm okay now. I've prayed. I'm on my way to heaven. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're not. Don't deceive yourself. 
Do not deceive yourself. If you meet the living God, there will be a change. If there is no change, you have not met God. That's it. That's the truth. And I was so encouraged when these girls sat around the table and they're saying, because they're at, at school, high school. High school's just the same over there as it is here. The pressure, the pressure for these girlfriends, boyfriends, the pressure for immoral relationship, sexual relationship outside of marriage, it is a definite no-no. You don't even have to think about it. God said no. If you do it, it means you're not in God. Basic. It's just a lie. You're deceiving yourself. So, and they were saying, yes, yes, we feel that pressure. But when we got the Holy Spirit, when we were filled with the Holy Spirit, then he teaches us what to do. He shows us how to get out of that situation. Isn't that good? That's real life. That's real life. And it's all because Jesus has risen from the dead and he's alive and he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, to lead us into all truth. Isn't that good news? I'm quite lost of what I was saying, but that's good news. <laughs> I said to Pastor James, this will be a shotgun. I was up all night. I had like 30, 40 pages, and I thought, I'm going round and round. What am I talking about? But it's all good news. <laughs> it's all good news. What can you say about the resurrection of Jesus? He's risen. He's alive. Well, the resurrected Jesus could fit in. He was like a regular person walking along the street when he met the men on their way to Emmaus. He, he chatted with them. They thought he was a regular person until he started to break the bread, and then they recognized him. So he fitted in. He, he was, at the same time, able to suddenly appear in the room with the disciples. So imagine, what an amazing resurrection body we will have, because our body will be like his. And all those over 33 go, hallelujah, glory, glory. Because some people say, well, if it's going to be like Jesus, he died at 33. So I'm back to being young and beautiful. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it's going to be like Jesus' resurrected body. It's all good news. <sighs> he could appear suddenly. And he proclaimed he was not a spirit. And he let them touch him. For his body was flesh and bone. And he ate fish. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with this new body eating and enjoying. Yeah. I mean, he sat, he ate, he cooked breakfast. Jesus cooked breakfast for the disciples. What did you have for breakfast? They had fresh fish, which was quite amazing. So he talked as a man, and yet he was no ordinary man. He was and is the firstborn from the dead, never, never to die again. That's what Colossians 1.18 says. And he is the head of the body, that's us, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, the firstborn from the dead. So there's going to be a second group. And we're going to be in that first resurrection, I hope and I pray. In Acts 1.3, we read, During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the disciples from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. You know, Historical facts are right up there. Jesus was a historical person. He died. He rose again. Yeah. They can prove it in a court of law. Yeah. But you know, with all of the facts, with all of the hundreds of scriptures, the prophecies and, and the eyewitness accounts, it still takes a revelation. It still takes a revelation. You can know it here. But unless you know it here, it's just another story. It's just like a fable. After he commissioned the disciples and told them to wait 
for the promised Holy Spirit, he ascended into heaven. And Acts 1.10 tells us, as they strained to see him rising into heaven. And you know the story, the angel came and said, why are you looking up? Well, I would be looking up. <laughs> I mean, if I saw Jesus going up, I think I'll be watching him all the time. You know, the one of our first boys was named Willie. And Willie was the first one who went to be with the Lord. He had one leg and he had cancer. And uh, it was difficult. We helped him. He was begging in front of a fast food place. He came to live with us. We told him about Jesus. One day, if you remember when we had that first place by the beach, there was no road. So I had to drive along the beach to come in. And he was, he was down there and he's looking up. And I said, Willie, what are you doing looking up? In the, and he said, well, oh, well, I just saw Jesus before and I'm looking to see if I can see him again. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. It wasn't long and Willie saw him face to face because Willie went to be with the Lord. Precious young boy, our first fruits. We look to that day. He's, the angel said, Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. It means Jesus is coming in a physical body. The same body that went up is coming back down. Think on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Read your Bible. You know, it was so much easier in the apostles' days. They just said, according to the Scriptures, search the Scriptures. Today it takes a real lot of time to find the chapter and the verse. But I tell you, go and search the Scriptures and you will discover Jesus is coming again. We look for that day when our salvation that begins when we call on the name of the Lord to save us from our sin shall be complete. And this body of our humiliation, say it's not a body of humiliation. As you get older, there's a lot of humiliating things that start to happen. <laughs> we will be changed and we will have a body like under his glorious body. It won't break no more hip replacements, knee replacements, whatever you're facing. Won't break. We'll have a body like his. Never grow old. Never be tempted. Have you thought of that? No more temptation. Wow. And we will be forever with Christ in right relationship with God, who we are privileged to call Father. It's all because of Jesus. Actually, it was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They talked about it at the beginning. They organized it all, and everything is going to plan. We don't know where we're up to in their timetable, but at the right time, at the right time, when everybody who can come in will be in, and Jesus will come again. It's all because Death could not hold Jesus in the grave. He rose triumphant and he's alive today at the right hand of the Father in heaven. As Paul said to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, Comfort yourselves together and edify one another just as you are doing. We need to talk more about Jesus coming again. We need, we're talking about his resurrection, but it's because he rose, we know we're also going to raise. And he says, this is a comfort. You face a lot of things in this world, but you know the time is coming when everything will be made new. We want to talk a little bit more about that in a while, but let me say it was wonderful to have 
Pastor James and Michelle and Jeff and Kate, they came to visit just last month, yeah? And we had a wonderful time. They shared in our board meeting, they shared in the church, shared with our music group, and shared in the jail. And I want to thank you because uh, the church here took up an offering to build a cover for the meeting area of the jail, a good roofing. And so we're able to meet there week by week with um, these um, people in jail. And do you know, it's a strange thing because some who are in there are even perpetrators of kids that we have in our care. So it's very interesting. And, um, but you know what? God's grace and mercy is for all. God is not willing any would perish, but all would come to repentance. And there's a, a neat little scripture that I thought of in 1 Timothy 5.24. It says, some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men follow later. So for some, it's clear to see their sin. But for others, they're very good at hiding them. But do you know, one day it will catch up. And so in lots of ways, these men who are in jail hearing the gospel are in the right place to receive a revelation of God's grace and mercy because they're not covering up anything. They know they've done the deeds and they're in jail because of it. And they don't want justice. Everyone says justice, justice. They want mercy. And it's grace and mercy that God offers. But if we don't accept his grace and mercy now, then there will be one day we will get justice. And we won't want justice when all of our sins, when all of our life is paraded before the view of everybody. Will we want justice? I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want my life to be shown in front of you, let alone the whole world, because there's all things that we know we've done that is not right. And we don't want to be judged. We don't want justice. We want mercy. And there's only one way to get mercy, and that's on this side of the grave. It's when we call on Jesus to save us and to forgive us because he himself bore our sin. He went to the cross not for his own errors in life, but he went to the cross to pay the penalty, the judgment of a just God who was offended by the wickedness of mankind. And Jesus carried it upon himself. Sometimes people get, huh, what's that all about? Well, because sometimes we talk so much about the love of God that we forget overall he's a good God. And because he is so good, he will not tolerate wickedness. He cannot be good and tolerate wickedness because he would not be a just judge. Yeah, yeah. And so if he says the innocent is not guilty, then he's wicked and not good. But he's a good God, and he must judge sin. And he has judged sin in Jesus for whoever will believe and receive grace and mercy. But if we do not humble ourselves this side of the cross, and we go on pretending I'm okay, then on the other side of the grave, when that day comes, when Jesus comes again, there is a day of judgment. And that's the day when everybody will be before, before that white, great, great white throne judgment and have to give account for your life. I rather deal with it here. I rather deal and humble myself with, before God here not on the other side, because on the other side, it will be pure justice, no mercy. God grant us mercy. Anyway, I'd like you to have a little look at what we've been doing over the years. Thank you for that. 
Wow. So that takes, you, takes us over the years a little bit. And uh, we do have another little 40 second. That was last year's graduation. Can we see the new one? A couple of weeks ago. They all stand there. But God bless you. <laughs> we, we really, really do uh, appreciate your help. <laughs> God is doing good things. And did you notice our logo? A better life for a brighter tomorrow. That's what we want for everybody. We want it for them. We want it for you. And I know that better life for a brighter tomorrow is only found in Jesus. I hope you've discovered that. You know, um, I just saw Kathy there, and I asked Kathy not long ago, I said, when I was feeling down, I said, Kathy, how come you went on when so many others turned back? She came when she was 12. And uh, it's no life on a street for a girl. And um, she said to me, I hated my life on the streets. And I think this is the key. If we don't hate our lives, why would we want a different life? And so Kathy really got it. Because if you hate your life, then you will gain life. Jesus said, that was your preaching when you were over there. Jesus said something like, what did he say? If you hate, if you don't hate your mom and your dad and your brothers and your sisters and even your own life, you can't follow me. And we went, huh? Doesn't sound like Jesus. But he wasn't, you know, saying, yay, hatred. No, he was saying in comparison, it's going to look like that. But I absolutely must take first place. And so because Kathy hated her life, then she was so ready to lay her life down and receive the offer of a new life that Jesus offers to every one of us because he paid the penalty for all our sin when he died on the cross. He took it upon himself and he rose triumphant over death, grave and sin and he's alive forevermore. And because he's alive, we can triumph in life, not because of who we are, but because of what he does in our life. You must be born again. And only Jesus can give you new birth by his spirit. And when that transaction takes place, you are a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation the old has gone, the new has come. But our salvation will never be complete. If we're in progress, we can say, I'm saved, because we feel the freedom of release of sins and the washing of the precious blood of Jesus that cleanses us. But we're in a progress. We're not fully saved. We have to keep on being faithful to the end. And when he comes, that's when our salvation will be complete. Because you know what? God made us body, soul, and spirit. He didn't just make us a spirit person. He made us body, soul, and spirit. And he's coming to redeem us. Body, soul, and spirit. Whole new person. Right now, we're still stuck with the old body. But when Jesus comes, our salvation will be complete. If we're already dead in the grave, our spirit is with the Lord because, Jesus, because the Apostle Paul said, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. 
but it's a struggle. Do I want to be absent from the body? But it's better by far to be with the Lord. But that's not our total salvation. Because God created man out of the clay. And he breathed the breath of life. And he's coming to redeem the whole man, not just the spirit. Even though it begins here and now. And he gives the Holy Spirit to teach us how to go the right way. So that we will be ready. Everybody who has this hope in them purifies themselves as he is pure. Because we believe he's coming again. For those who are watching and waiting, not for, not for those who are sleeping and going around running after the world. But he's coming again for those who are watching and waiting. Those who are living for him. Those who are expectant of his return. And he is coming. And that's when we'll have a new body. I've jumped all over the place, but I think we can find some of those scriptures. It was for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. And that joy, it's not that he would return to the Father. That was a given. But that he would bring many sons. That he would bring many others into the family of God. The joy set before him was he was making a way for us. That he would bring us together with him. John 14, 3, he said, And I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be with me. So many scriptures, we're going to go over them, but we do want to know, Romans 13, 11, our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. And so we wait for when he will come again. And this is what it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, trumpet, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. We don't have to worry about those who have died already, who trust in Jesus. They will rise first. They get a front seat in that big gathering. They'll be in the front. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 57. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that is in die, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, never to die again. And we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, the mortal must put on immortality. How many people looking for immortality? Jesus told us already there's a way in him. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, this mortal immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Praise God from glory to glory. He's changing us. He's at work in our hearts and in our spirits. He's preparing us to ultimately be with Him, to rule and reign with Him. Exciting day. But our salvation will be complete when he comes again and we meet him in the air and he rules on this earth and he shows this earth how you should rule. Then you get amazed. You think, goodness me, a perfect ruling, a thousand years on this earth. And then even people are going to rebel because the devil is bound for a thousand years, he's let loose. And then what will happen? 
He will get them all together, and they will come against Jesus. But fire will come from heaven. They will all be destroyed. And then, then comes not the first resurrection, but the second resurrection. The resurrection of all whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. And it will be judgment day. Some people have a struggle with this. Have you had a struggle? Because Pastor James quoted, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God is our creator. He created us for his glory, for his purposes that we would live with him, rule and reign with him. We would be for his glory. We would be a holy, righteous people. But when we do not accept his offering that Jesus died in our place, the sacrifice for our sins, if we say, not for me, then we will continue in our own way in wickedness. There's no more forgiveness. And so, for the Creator God, we are perished. You think you people who have cars, when your tire on the car is perished, you throw it to the dump because it's of no more value. When you have a plastic container, it's all sticky and yucky and you can't use it anymore. It is perished. You put it to the dump. God is not willing that any should perish. But we would be for what we are created to be, for the glory and honor of God. We would not continue in rebellion and wickedness. Otherwise, we're perished in the eyes of Almighty God. We're not fit for what he's made us to be. And so (laughs) this side of the grave, we have opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, I know I'm wicked. I know I've missed the mark. I know my life's a mess. I know I'm living not a good life. If people in this room knew what I was doing, they would be horrified. God knows. And it's the grace and it's the mercy of God that he convicts us of our sin because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. If he did not convict us of our wickedness, we would continue on in our merry way. But because he convicts us of our sin, we're at the place where we can humble ourselves. We're at the place when we can agree with God and say, it's true, it's true, it's true. I deserve your judgment. But at the same time, we get a revelation of our own wickedness in the grace and the mercy of God. He points us to Jesus. And we see Jesus died on the cross for us. He paid the penalty for our sin. It's done. It's done. It's paid for. And we confess our sin. And the miracle of new birth happens. And we're washed clean. And we have new life. And we can go forward with a clean slate, totally new, totally accepted by God, right with God, ready for God. And the Holy Spirit comes, teaches us how to live in this world. So we won't go astray, but we will keep following him all the way till that day when he comes to get us. I hope you understand a little. I'm sorry I've jumped all over the place. But I want you to know he died and he rose. And because he died and he rose, we, when we die, we will rise if we believe in him. And for those who don't, that's why we go and we tell people. We want people to know because there is a second resurrection when those who reject Christ 
will be judged. And we don't want anyone to come under that condemnation. We want them to have mercy and not justice. We want them to fulfill their purpose in God and not perish. By God's grace, God grant this Easter, if you have not come to know him, that this Easter you will get that revelation and you will humble yourself and you will ask God to cleanse you and you'll find salvation, grace and mercy cleansing in Jesus because that's the only life. That is the better life for a brighter tomorrow. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this congregation. You know everybody here. You know us by name. My goodness, you know the hairs on our head. How intimately you know us because you're our creator, God. And I thank you for the wonderful purpose and plan that you have for all of us, not just here on this earth, but through eternity, that we would rule and we would reign with you. We will be the people of God. We will be your own children. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege that you've brought us into the family and we know it's only because we are linked with Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. I pray this Easter, I pray right now today for those who are not right with you, that today will be the day. Today will be the day of grace and mercy, even though it's awkward, even though it's difficult. Father, it's not nice when you shine your spotlight into our lives and you reveal how ugly and awful it is inside. The wickedness, the wickedness, woe is me. But Lord, it's your grace, it's your mercy, it's your goodness that leads us, that we can agree with you and turn from our sin and trust Jesus as our Savior. I pray that this will be the case for people in this building today. Have your way in their lives for eternity's sake, for their eternal sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Brilliant. We just want to say, Pastor Margaret, thank you for your faithfulness. It's like 34 years, isn't it? Oh, 32. I'll just get it right. Not too old. But we just want to say, we say thank you to the Lord, but thank you to, for your faithfulness. And, 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 you know, God has done incredible work there in Leyte. Um, you know, in amazing favor and the, bringing your children off the streets. But not only that, just a wonderful Christian school, a wonderful church, an evacuation center. They've helped the community. So many lives have been touched through that. And we just say praise God and thank you. And we can, we're a part of that as a church. We've been supporting for over 30, well, all those years. And I've been on the journey with Margaret since I first went over there in 1985. And me and Michelle, it's just brilliant. How about we stand as we close? And we're just going to sing this last song. And then we're going to have morning tea and encourage someone today. That'd be brilliant. <laughs>